Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the final word with Jeff Lemon. On behalf of Adam Collins, wishing you a Merry Christmas. Whether you pay attention to it or not, whether you celebrate it or not, whether you're with other people or flying solo today, if you want to spend a little bit of your time hanging out with us, then that's a nice thing to be able to do. If you're catching up on this later, um, then that's entirely reasonable as well. This is the season where you can do things the way that you want to do them, I hope, in between all of the other commitments. It is Christmas and it's an interesting time of year for us. We've made a habit on The Final Word the last few years of releasing a Christmas interview, which is all about talking to someone who makes us feel good, someone who gives us a little bit of a warm and fuzzy feeling when we think about their lives, their careers, um, their influence on what we've done, a range of things across the journey. So we've had Jim Maxwell on this show, Parsha Bogle, we've had Mel Jones, Michael Atherton. And this year is a little bit different in that this is an interview that already existed, but that most of you won't have heard. So when we do Final Word live shows, we generally don't release the interviews that we do on stage. And that's for a couple of reasons. That's partly because it's it's about being in the moment it's about something being ephemeral and something happening that night uh, for the people who are in the room there and and not repeating itself Um, and it's also so that our guests are a little bit more at liberty to relax and and say what they think what they feel when they're on stage Um, but this this year is a little bit different because 2023 more than anything else has been the year of Glenn Maxwell in cricket it's been it's been an extraordinary ride for those of us who've been invested in in the talent and in the story um, across the time that he's been in the public cricketing eye. Um, the extraordinary World Cup on the comeback from an injury that could very well have derailed his entire career with that badly broken leg. Um, it's been an extraordinary year and, and extraordinary to see the, the outpouring of affection and support that he's received in the last couple of months as well. And it was a really special conversation that we had on stage at the Corner Hotel, a a homecoming show, a venue that we love, um, with a a person who we admire. And and Glenn spoke so well and and with such insight and honesty about the year that he's had and and the experience more broadly leading up to it. And it it was a conversation that we thought should be shared. So not all of it, um, some, some parts will be left to the live audience, but there were parts of that conversation that were just too good to uh, to leave to that night only. So we've prepared that recording for those of you who weren't able to be at the live show. Uh, you'll be able to experience some of what it was like. And for those who were there, you can revisit it another time. Because why not? It's Christmas. Um, people kept asking, when are you releasing the Maxwell interview? And so here we are. We've got a, a Christmas present for you. We're glad to be able to share it with you. And uh, a quick thanks to, to CBUS for supporting the show. Um, they've, they're supporting us all through this summer and they've been great partners of ours coming into 
their 40th year of looking after superannuation for what's now over 900,000 Australians. Um, they've done a wonderful job across the journey. Past performance, not a reliable indicator of future performance. Seabussuper.com.au uh, if you want to go and sort out your superannuation. Um, and thanks to everybody who's listened and been part of the show this year, um, all of you out there doing the part on the other side of the speakers and uh, Merry Christmas from all of us and, and our team as well. Dave Collins, Cam Ponsonby, Cameron Fink, everybody else who's been involved with the show over the course of the year, all of our wonderful co-hosts as well, particularly through the World Cup when we had a, a, an all-star cast revolving through. So here it is, Glenn Maxwell, live at the Corner Hotel. Enjoy and Merry Christmas to you. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself And there's some stories I can tell you I had to fail, had to fall just for what I did well And there's some stories I can tell This time, can't get a foot on it for the second time down the ground This time, Maxwell It's finished, brilliant uh, Okay, uh well, thank you for uh, your participation in seg segment one. The, the crowd participation mm -hmm. component of the show is complete. Uh, yep, and the us doing stupid shit component is done as well. I'm a little is. perturbed by the fact that Tom's put three unopened beers here. <laughs> yes. just, I don't know what you think the next hour is going to entail, <laughs> but it is not me chugging three beers. Anyway. Well, we'll see. Uh, let's not play the rule in roll out game because joining us now is a man who requires no introduction. It's Glenn Maxwell. <laughs> Normally with these, we go back to the start of the life of the subject. You know, oh, you know, where'd you play your junior cricket? Everyone in this room knows everything about you, so there's no point doing any of that. Um, the live show that uh, we did in, in 2019 sort of did your life and times and all the rest of it. We thought we'd just drill down in what life's been like for you from when you broke your leg last year through to 201 not out on the telly a minute ago. Uh, but on the way to that, just getting a sense from you what life is like at the moment being everyone's favourite cricketer after everything you've gone through and the love that is clearly coming your way from, well, the world of cricket at the moment. How, how has this been for you? Uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to being like 50-50 hated or loved and, like that, and that's been okay with me. It's just what I've been accustomed to, I, th I suppose, all the way through my career and... Um, you sort of get used to sort of going down the street and being relatively unknown except for the one random drunk punt who will just spray you out the, out the side of his ute and call you the no-show or something like that. And, um, but yeah, I, I think every, every day that I've sort of gone to have a coffee at my local cafe, there's been a story from someone in the public and they'll sit there and say, thank you so much. And that's been really overwhelming. I, I think I didn't really understand what it was like after that game against Afghanistan. I, 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 while I was there, it was just having a bit of fun with Paddy out in the middle and, yep, the game was going on. And it, it, was, it was cool, it was fun, I was, I was tired, I was sore and all that sort of stuff. But in my, in my mind, nothing really, I suppose, clicked in my mind like, oh, that's something that no one's ever been known. It was just like, thank fuck I don't have to bat again. Like, that was all... <laughs> like, 
I, I was just so, I was so glad the game was over that I didn't really sort of think about what it actually meant, I suppose, to everyone back home watching and what it meant, I suppose, coming back to Australia, especially when we won the World Cup. I knew that was special, that was amazing, but the stories that specific people had uh, about that night where they went to bed, woke up, oh, maybe I'll just sort of check and see the score and, and, and went, no, nah, I've got to... I've got to turn this on. What the fuck's going on here? Um, unfortunately, that wasn't my dad, but... Um. <laughs> he watched the replay straight away, though. That's almost like Doesn't matter. <laughs> Missed it. <laughs> seen every, like, junior game where I've made a duck and, like, I missed that. I cried in the car with mum and... Yeah. Dad gave me an LB. <laughs> <laughs> That's a particular kind of pain, getting fired by your old man. He's like, no, no, well, I'm not leaving for several hours, but you're going to have to wait over there. I, I still remember Menzies Creek. I was nine years old. <laughs> I mean, the idea of... You know, I, I used the broken leg in the intro to frame it up because you know, it's not unreasonable to conclude that your career was hanging in the balance for more, for more time than most people realised, right? Like, it was, it was on a knife edge whether you play again for at least a couple of months. Yeah, I, I think the doubts started to probably initially creep in probably early February. I think it was probably about two and a half, three months post-surgery. And uh, the news I got, I think, post-surgery was positive until my wife told me exactly what the surgeon told her and not me. Um, but I, I think they were trying to, sort of, I suppose, keep my hopes up. And uh, the news I eventually got told from her was that they weren't sure if I was going to be able to run again and, and play and um, I, in my mind I was like oh I'll just go through rehab or do the work I've seen people have broken legs and come back before and um, you, I suppose you think back to footy players that have had bad broken legs I think of like Nathan Brown I remember watching that game and and thinking of that and thinking and thinking of seeing such a traumatic like break and going he came back and played like it shouldn't be that hard like that it, it was wasn't fine. very good <laughs> Michael Voss might be the better comparison. And now he just does the sports bet updates for yeah. everyone. Foxtel. Great fellow, Nathan Brown. Great fellow. Great fellow. Um, you can bet on it. I, I, I saw, <laughs> I'll set you up beautifully. Though. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of got to about, I suppose, early Feb and there was talk about, I suppose, shield cricket and that, that was a way to get back into it. Mm. I played a couple of club games and found even during the club games I couldn't really run that well between wickets. So I found like... The work that I was doing in my rehab stuff was was quite, I suppose, encased in just running in a straight line, not having to worry about turnaround, not worried about match intensity. I was like, oh, this is fine, I'm flying. And as soon as the game comes on where you've got to make your ground, you've got to make sure whatever you do during the game is to help your team win, it just became a little bit more heightened. I found like the pain that I got through those games where I was putting my body under 100% pressure, I, I was just struggling to get through and... Uh, I knew that I had to play at least one um, professional game of cricket before they picked their side to uh, go to India. Uh, there was a three-game one-day series. I think it was early March. Um, and, I, and I desperately wanted to be on that. Um, with the World Cup only six or seven months away from, from that position. And um, I, I remember getting myself through that Shield game, um, not being able to run that well between wickets, sat at first slip most of the game and... Um, only bowled two or three overs, um, but it, it, at least it was a stepping stone in the right direction. And I think two two days after that Shield game, I had another setback where 
um, my knee on the opposite side of my body um, let me down and I uh, was doing a rain session and I just collapsed in the field and was like, great, I'm back to square one here and had to do the rehab all over again and sort of start again. And uh, luckily enough, they, they took me on that tour to India and I was able to do the training in preparation for that first game. But I probably got about, I think it was about 23 overs into the game and, and my body started to let me down again. And there was a ball that went through my legs at mid-on um, in a position that I wasn't really used to fielding. I was being hidden in the field and I uh, went through my legs and I had to chase it to the boundary and I, I couldn't get there. And uh, that was a bit embarrassing. I had to go off the field, get my get some rehab done again and uh, they didn't play me in the rest of the series. And what I was very lucky, I suppose, at that stage was they let me stay in India um, to, I suppose, play the IPL, um, which I know some of you might think that's that's a bit rogue, but what the India what India does have is 15 physios, 15 masseuses, like a thousand helping hands non-stop. It's not the biggest tournament for, for no reason. They've got all the help in the world and I was able to, I suppose, build my fitness throughout that tournament in a T20 environment to a point where by the end of the tournament I felt as fresh as I'd ever felt throughout my career. I was able to build my running, I was able to build my gym sessions around game days. Um, so in the morning I'd wake up, if we had a day game, I was waking up at about 5.30 in the morning, going to the gym at 6, uh, finishing then, going to breakfast, massage at quarter to 8, uh, physio straight after that, and then we'd take off to the ground. Or I'd do a pool session and then take off to the ground. And that was my preparation for every game leading in. And I just got into a great habit of whatever it possibly took to get back on the field and to get back to where my fitness needed to be. I just made sure I did it during the IPL and to have the hands-on experience as far as some of those people really helped. Um, probably the thing that set me back was uh, going to Warwickshire, which... That's true for a lot of people. Which, <laughs> which, which doesn't quite have the reach of the IPL and maybe doesn't have the professionalism of the IPL. And I thoroughly enjoyed my two months in Warwickshire. Like... <laughs> Staying Main Street in Birmingham, I'm having the time of my life. I'm going to the Test match. I'm yelling at England fans, like <laughs> spraying them about being three nil down. It's over. You're going home. That you're terrible. I had the best time of my life. Like it was, it was great. But I, Cricket Australia brought me home and went. Oh, I think we've seen enough. Like <laughs> let's get some some rehab into you. And, and I suppose that that brought us the World Cup. Mm. The thing about the broken leg, well, there's there's two things uh, about the timing of it. One is that. You were in pretty good nick when it came to the India Test Tour that was coming up earlier this year. You know, the CA had you on a plan, preparing you for what would have been, in all probability, a, a return to Test cricket. Um, and you were in a really good space about all of that, having been so disappointed in, in Sri Lanka the previous year. I mean, I know the Amazon documentary tells half of that story. There's a whole other half of that story uh, from the second Test match where you were more gutted for missing that one. But anyway, I digress. The point is, is that this idea of you returning to the baggy green it's been such a big part of your story for so long and then watching the blokes on telly playing test cricket over there and realizing that you could have been an asset to them especially on those turning pitches in, in Nagpur and Delhi to start yeah it's probably been one of those things where I'd probably come to grips with I wasn't going to play test cricket again um, and that was before Sri Lanka so we played the one day in T20 series over there and I just sort of come to grips with you know what I've played my last test I'll just give everything I can to the, the white ball crew. We've got a couple of World Cups coming up. 
um, there's a busy next couple of years and I'll finish my career, hopefully have a kid and just be just be happy, I, I suppose, with family life. And the one thing I... And, and I'm glad I asked the question. I asked uh, Andrew McDonald while we're on the one-day tour, um, while we're having a... We had a function just after one of the games and I, I said, mate, what... What are the chances that I'm in the test side, uh, the test squad um, coming up? And he said, mate, there's a 99% chance that you're going to be involved. And I actually broke down in tears straight away in front of him. And it was, uh, uh, to be fair, until that point, until I actually broke down, I actually didn't realise how much I wanted it. Like, I didn't realise how much it meant to me um, until he actually said that was going to happen. And I was... I sort of took myself by surprise. I was like, no, I'd moved on. I was comfortable. I was, I was all right. And I suppose what Ronnie's words and making sure that I was a part of that group and uh, what happened after that, I just remember the first few days of training with the <coughs> test squad. They, I, I just felt like I belonged. I felt like I was back where I should be. I remember training, facing spinners on shit tip wickets, balls spinning, exploding and loving every second of it. I'm watching Travis Head trying to like cut off spinners from like leg stump and I'm like, perfect, this is great, <laughs> perfect. Nah, it seems like a great idea, mate. <laughs> and then day two, I'm watching everyone practicing reverse sweep and I'm like, yep, great, no, this is a good time to learn it. A uh, good time to learn it, like, 29, yeah, 29, great idea, learn it now. Is it? It doesn't take 15 years of practice, it takes one day. Yeah. <laughs> Implement it in a test match, see how that goes. That's a, that's a great slogan, it takes one day. It Should takes sell that one day. Does it, is it difficult in a way because the, the players you're in competition with, they're all people who you really like. You, you know, you've Mitchell Marsh floating around, Travis Head, these kind of players who might be the ones who you'd be pushing, uh, trying to push out for a spot, but you all like each other so much, you get along so well. It sucks. It sucks so much because... And I still remember... Being dropped from the one-day side, West Indies 2016, and I spent 15, 20 minutes helping Hetty with his fielding, and he was the guy taking my spot. But I just remember going, you know what, if, if it's meant to be, if he's meant to take my spot, if he's going to be a better player, so be it, not a problem. But I was like, it's, if I'm not being a good teammate, if I'm not being a good person out there and, and sharing my knowledge, what's the, what's the point in playing for Australia? It's... It, it, your job, I suppose, as an Australian player is to pass on information to the next group of players that are coming through. And as experienced players, we have that responsibility, I suppose, for every, every young player is to, to pass on what we know and, and hopefully they get better and learn from it. And if they stuff up and, like, come back a step, not a problem. We, then we lift them up and, and they go again. And, and he's certainly done that. But I remember when he first came to us in Western, he's feet for feet and feet for hands. It was, it was like a dog running around in the field. Just, it was horrible. <laughs> but, but like, the best, the best thing about... <laughs> the best thing about Hedy is, like, he went, he went away, worked on it and got better. And he's come back in the Australian side, even the test side, he's come back and went, you know what, stuff, I'm going to play my way. And he's going to be the person passing on that knowledge to the next generation. It's like, no matter what people tell you, no matter what... What goes on? You've got to play your way when you get to the top level. If you try and play someone else's way, you're just going to fail at it. So might as well, might as well play, fail while doing your own way. Mm. The other thing that um, you found out in that stretch of time, I remember talking to you about it in India last year, is you're going to have a baby. 
I mean, like, this is a huge thing at the end of this time with the broken leg and the rehab and the willy-wony play again, like this massive thing that's going to happen in your life that you wanted for a time and was actually now real. Yeah, it's been quite an interesting couple of years. I think um, for people that don't know, we had a, had a miscarriage, um, I think midway through last year, which was about the time that I got told I was playing the test matches or part of the test squad. And that was quite a hard time, I think, for myself and my wife, uh, Vinny, and then she got flown over. So it was just a whole mix of emotions where she came over and was sort of trying to deal with different sort of traumas and um, excitement levels. And it was, it was quite a confusing time. And to then go through, I think it was about six or seven months where, where nothing was happening. We were sort of confused about why we were almost so unlucky. And the more we sort of spoke about our journey and spoke about what we went through, we found more stories of hope and, and joy and, uh, and, and people that had, had similar, similar stories along the way. And I, I think that was, that was something that actually kept us both going. And it's not an easy thing to talk about um, loss. Um, and not a lot of people talk about it because it's uncomfortable. And I, I've always been quite open. I, I think with my mental health chat, I, I've been really open about, yeah, I've struggled. I, I, I've really struggled. I, at times where I just haven't want to get out of bed or go anywhere. And I think it would have been remiss of me not to talk about that sort of stuff as well. And the fact that we were able to get out the other side um, and, and have our beautiful little boy, Logan, and um, I, I think just makes the story even more special. But to, I suppose, look back on also what we lost and uh, make sure people know it's just not a, it's not a smooth journey. It's not, it's not just all, this is the way you do it, this is the only way to do it. I think there's other ways... Um, to go about it. and we're, we've been lucky to come out with a beautiful baby boy who's three months old now. And they, they must have been, you must also have been frightened through that whole process of the second pregnancy. Oh, fuck me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Horrific. Um, I, I think you, you're trying to put the dates together, I suppose, of when it's going to be like... The chat from her and the support that I've got from her has been has been incredible. And I, I think as soon as we um, found out, I, I, <laughs> I was a bit of a dick through this stage, I've got to be honest. I, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And I was like trying not to get too excited because I think the last time I got so excited that it might have probably filtered into her and it probably led to a bit of our downfall and how you have a range of emotions and you end up all over the place. So... I tried to sort of be the level partner of like, you know what, that's, yep, I hear, you, I hear what you're saying, that's great, but let's just go week to week, mm. see how we go, get the scans, like see how we, what, just see how it's progressing, yep, all good, not a problem, that's not going to get too excited, yep, looks like it's moving, yep, that's cool, that's a, that's a finger, yep, nice. Is it a finger? Up <laughs> <laughs> oh, toe, never mind. Um, so it, it was just about that and I was just trying to be level for her as much as I possibly could and I think when the day eventually did come and uh, knowing that we'd sort of gone full circle from where we were 13, 14 months ago just made the whole thing all the more special and that the fact that we sort of knew what the next few months looked like and we'd sort of planned heavily, to, I suppose, around the World Cup and what that looked like, I suppose making sure he gets the immunisations, making sure he gets there week six, as soon as he's had them and making sure he gets over there for the last month, he's experiencing... Uh, or I'm able to experience him growing up a little bit because those first 
couple of weeks without him were, were so tough. I can imagine. And I also note that you missed a little bit of cricket with, a, with an ankle injury, if I recall correctly, in South Africa, which in the end might have been, you, you wouldn't say it at the time, I'm sure, but... It was a blessing in disguise. The risk of you missing the birth, if, you, if, if, the baby had a, if Logan had a came early and you were playing cricket after everything you'd gone through... The fact that you were home in plenty of time and, and missed that cricket and had a bit of rehab, um, yeah, as you say, blessing in disguise. Yeah. So one one of the things I, I sort of questioned at the start was if it was a if it was a one day tournament at the start. So we were playing T20s the first start of the series, and I was only playing I think the first first two or three, and then I was I was out. I was heading back anyway. Uh, my question was if I'm getting ready for a one day tournament, why why am I playing these? If, I, if I've still got rehab to do. So they were expecting me to go home, continue my rehab and build towards one-day cricket. And I was like, well, I've got a flight to South Africa. Three pointless games that no one cares about. <laughs> a flight back home, recovery time from the flight and then less time because my wife's in the hospital about to give birth. Like that's, So it makes it time limited. And the, the blessing in disguise was turning up to South Africa... Second day, I'm like, well, I'm here. I might as well make the most of it. And I started to run a lap with the boys, got halfway around, and my ankle basically collapsed on itself and hobbled off the field. And I went to the change room and sort of half tore it apart, like mentally just broken. I was so angry. I, I couldn't believe it. I'd sort of come so close to the World Cup. And at, at that stage, I was like, I'm done. Oh, this is it. Like, I'm, I can't come back from this because it was... I sort of felt it on so on my ankle. I've got on the outside. I've got a plate and five screws, and on the other side, I should have a reasonably strong ankle. I felt it on the other side where it felt like something exploded, and I was like, "Well, I'm done here. I'm that's it." And I went home angry that I'd I'd had to fly over and then start training straight away and start getting into it. And it was only when I, I got home, um, got an injection, and I was like. Nothing back. No, all good. No problem. As soon as you get That's that, like as, you. Soon, as soon as that needle goes straight in your foot, you're like, I am back. Here we go. So needles are good. The um, pethidine whistle. Get the, uh... If anything hurts, grab a needle. <laughs> uh, that's, no, 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 yeah. no, no. So uh, I don't. Want, I don't want to endorse that. Just whatever the t-shirt says. <laughs> Lou Reed wrote some songs about that as well. Um, <laughs> Really, uh, really sorted things out quite, quite well. Uh, and then, I mean, the start of the World Cup, you're away from Vinny and Logan as well. Th- that first part, I mean, they came over, what, about three weeks in, I think, when they got there, round about that Durham Shala India. game. Uh, sorry, uh, Delhi. Yeah. Delhi. Just before Delhi. Um, so when, when they arrived, it was... <sighs> we're inexperienced as far as, I suppose, any travel goes. Um, and one thing that all the other families do really well is they get an extra room, make sure that they've got room to move, make sure that sleeping arrangements are sorted. And we're like, you know what, we'll work this out. One room between us all and start in Delhi and the night before the Netherlands game, I'm like, you know what, I'll help out. I'm glad you guys are here, all that sort of stuff. Vinny's stressing, like, not sleeping either. Any noise he makes, she's up. And like any movement she makes, I'm up and like no, no, I'm here to help you out, all good. And gets to the next day and I'm like, oh, I just could not imagine playing cricket today. I just got no interest in this whatsoever. Just hope openers make 300 each and we make 600. <laughs> like, I just don't have the bat. Not a problem. And then like go out there and I'm like, Phew. I got that first ball last game, like over aroused. I am literally the opposite right now. Like could not care less. 
All I want to do is get out, go have a sleep, have a nap, chill, like not talk to anyone, and like as as you saw, the rest is history. And I was able to fucking just pump literally everything. Like it was, <laughs> it was fucked. <laughs> it was it, it was dumb. It was it was dumb because I, I literally had no care factor of what happened because mm. I knew I had the family. Back, I knew I had to go there. I'm like, well, the longer I can stay here, the longer I don't have to go back <laughs> and like, like hold on to something that's screaming and throwing right. up on me. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was quieter in the middle with oh, like 20,000 people oh, screaming. So, oh my, I had cotton wool in my ears. It was beautiful. <laughs> they do say that about women athletes who give birth and come back, and they, for whatever reason, like that. There's a correlation between their performances improving post birth. I wonder whether, like, for you, what you're describing there about around, like, having something else that has to be your primary focus in, in Logan and the lack of sleep means that when you rock up, it's more instinctive and it's less about getting overstimulated and, you know, you didn't really give yourself a chance against Pakistan, whereas here, you took a beat, you're like, right, fuck, where am I again? Yeah, uh, I mean, the TA well, 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 don't actually, really suggest that not sleeping yeah. is a great idea for reflexes, <laughs> you know. Well, no, I, but I, I actually mean, thought Pakistan was pretty good, wasn't it? I think we all had a sense that might happen, though. Oh, yeah. Gee, if Australia man. are none for a squealer and you walk out, it doesn't tend to go Jesus well. Christ, I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> Had my home uh, RCB fans there, small boundaries. <laughs> my yeah. God. This was... <laughs> How excited do you reckon I was? Uh, this has is... been on at one end and Shaheen has got one ball left and he's over. I'm like, just get a single, just get a single, just get a single, just get a single. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> that's slot. <laughs> Our thought processes were exactly the same. So this is Glenn walking out after an opening partnership of about 260. They're like, up you go, up the order, out first ball. There was just one ball in the Shaheen over, and I was like, just block it, Glenn. Just block it. Just block it. Just 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 you just, just need to get just through one ball. Everyone just that knows one. you is thinking the same thing. Oh. Yeah. So it'll be like when you're facing cool deep in the India game. Idiot. I wrote a WhatsApp to a mate. I think he's here right now. I go, he's a massive chance getting bowled going back here. Massive chance. <laughs> Got to get through this over. <laughs> Next ball, bowl going back. Because we feel like we watch you. We're hardwired to the way you bat. And the Shaheen thing did not feel like a good matchup for you no. because of that. Horrific. Yeah. <laughs> Horrific. Anyway, 40 ball 100 the next game. Uh, <laughs> fastest World Cup ton, so that's fine. Uh, a whole bunch of Dutch guys bowling right arm, identical. Um. <laughs> no, no, I hit, I think I got seven runs off rule off. <laughs> yeah. Left arm, not very spinning. Yes. <laughs> um, but apart it, from that, you, you're right. The thing is, it was an attack that, like, should get met. Like it's just, it's just, it's just a beautiful attack to face on a on a ground, and I'm sure you both attest to it's not very big, Delhi. Like it is, no. Aaron Jaitley Stadium. It's just not, it's not massive. Straight is a drop punt. Square is mm. a drop punt and a handball. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird because the BCCI say it fits 170,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> This might be the appropriate time to talk about what happened after the Holland game when you fell off the back of the cut. Now, I know, that, I know you don't Literally remember Literally fell off the wagon. I know, you, I know you don't remember it, strictly speaking. Um, but um, no, I, I think that one thing you... <laughs> well, on the basis that you smashed his head open, which is what I was getting to. Like the, the, back in Australia, to be semi-serious for a moment here, fuck me, people just piling into you over here, um, linking it to the broken leg... Um, and completely ignoring the fact that you'd suffered a pretty serious head injury and you, with the skin on your back as well and how close you were to being out of the tournament. Did that strike you as a little bit odd that straight away, despite the 40 ball 100, despite what you were contributing with the ball as well, that so many people in Australia are like, aha, here's our chance, we can get back into him again? To be honest, I wasn't surprised. Like I, was, I think that's what just I've come accustomed to. Is like as soon as I 
just slightly get your hopes up. There might be a little bit of a letdown. Like, I understand. Like, I'm not consistent. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not here to average 50 and strike at 80. Like, that's not my job. I'm here to, I'm, I'm here to if I come off, we're probably going to win. That's my job. And if I commit to that as much as I possibly can, not a problem. If I start to try and bat like Marnus or Steve Smith, like that's, that's not what we need. We've picked our side for a specific reason uh, to have guys do certain roles and I just don't think people have really understood that. They've seen their one-day team play for a long period of time. Michael Bevan, yes, he averaged a lot, but he struck at 80. Like he, 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 if, he, that. if that... But he, he, did the, he did the job that Australia needed because the top order did the job. The top order actually got them into a position where he could cruise. You smack your head open, like you land on concrete. I think mostly we thought a uh, golf course happened on grass wasn't a big deal. Like it, was, it was a pretty serious injury before you coming back into the Afghanistan game. So, yeah, so what, what I, I, I suppose I'll take you into the day. We had, a, we had a big golf day planned. Myself and David Warner were captains of two different golf teams and picked our sides, all that sort of thing happening. We played two rounds of golf, first round of golf done. Um, we're asking Davey, come on, mate, like you said you were going to organise alcohol for the day. Finish the first round of golf, nothing, still nothing. This is in the alcohol-free state. Of this is in the alcohol dry state, like, yep, nothing for organise. But like the golf club were brilliant, by the way. They were shut down the whole place for us. It was brilliant. Until it wasn't brilliant. Um, so... Played the second round of golf and, and then like this beacon of beautiful light comes out from nowhere. We have it. <laughs> we have it. So It's like the start of Pulp Fiction. So it's the briefcase. So, we, so we've got myself, uh, the skipper, Pat Cummins, Marcus Stoinis and Mitch Marsh in a group. We're the last group. So there's, there's, everyone's basically... Got six or seven holes left. That's the fun group. That we, I, I organise these groups. <laughs> I've got to say. All fun a week, uh, yes, that group. <laughs> I, I made sure this was the group. Got to the last hole. Still remember the 25-foot putt I made for, for Birdie on the last <laughs> to win our match. And um, got to the clubhouse afterwards where we were all sort of hanging around and made a generous speech to the locals, thanking them for their time. But what we were going to do was take the alcohol that we didn't drink because we had no time, was to take to the next day and go, because we've got singles games. Like, 1v1, v1, v1, off we go. Here, like, it's, tomorrow's going to be a beauty. Here we go. So thanks very much, everyone. And, uh, like, big claps. Yeah, all good. Yep, cheers. Thank you very much. And then the next thing I remember, I was on the bus holding my head. And I, I was looking at the doctor, and the doctor's just looking me straight in the eyes going, are you okay? And I'm like, I literally, I literally had no idea what was going on. And it went from like making a speech to on the bus and I was like, well, this is odd. And I had no emotion about it, nothing. And I, I looked at the back of the bus and it was all a bit sheepish and like no one was really saying anything and no one really told me anything that was going on. So it was bizarre because I can literally remember every shot that I played that day. <laughs> I, I, I can remember the fade, the draw, like the, the feeling on the club face, like the putt that I made, the crowd around, it was great. That's perfect selective editing, just, yeah. just keep the good bits, oh, get rid of the, you don't need the hitting your head. It's bizarre, mate, because I, I remember like just like feeling my head and having blood all over my hands and, and just not understanding what had happened and then the next day I remember, well, 
I, I sort of said to him, I said, look, I'm, I'm definitely concussed because I, I feel like there's just a, a haze around my head. Um, it's, it's, it just feels foggy and I, I couldn't concentrate on anything he was saying. And, and it sort of lasted for a couple of days, but it was like, well, I know I've got to be right for seven or eight days' time, so let's just make sure I miss one game and then we'll look forward to the next. But it probably affected me a little bit longer than I thought it would um, and more than I gave it credit for. And um, that, that was probably the scary thing. It was, I, I did, probably didn't realise the severity of what concussion was like because I'd never had one. Um, and I didn't realise the severity of actually what happened and... No one would really tell me exactly what happened. So that so you're going into the Afghanistan game off the back of like not even knowing if you like were you confident that your head was right to, to be able to face bowling at that point? Batting on that ground, I I batted on it so many times. I I've played for Mumbai, played there uh twenty thirteen, did Champions League there as well. I've trained there a hundred times. I, I know that ground so well. Um, probably the one bloke I didn't know who was bowling to me, um, who had the ball moving and wobbling, <laughs> which as Matula, oh my yeah. god, and, and almost knocked me over first first yeah. pallet and hat trick ball. You're coming out to face a hat trick ball. You're reviewing the league before decision, to be, to which be everyone fair, thinks he's out. To be fair, I, wa- I watched it back and it was he couldn't have bowled a much yeah. better ball. It actually, he had the seam perfectly swinging in, and I played inside the line for the ball coming further in, and it just held its line just enough. And I was like, geez, he couldn't have... I got lucky that the fact that I nicked it. And I flicked my head around thinking, well, it's going to carry. I've just nicked a half ollie and I'm back covering my stumps. And when it landed halfway, I'm like, these boys are going to think that it's hit my pad, which is why it hasn't carried. And I tried to look as sheepish as humanly possible. Like, <laughs> waste a review, waste a review. Like, come on. I've got Rashid Khan coming on at some stage and oh, I just need to waste a review so they've only got one left, like waste a review, whatever you do. So I'm like head down, like walking around, like don't know where to look, like don't look them in the eye, look, look down, scratch a bit, like kick something and sure enough they wasted and I was like, oh, thank God for that. Like, <laughs> at least there's one less chance I can get out. And, um, but yeah, it, it was an interesting time to go. I was, I was nowhere in the change rooms. I was getting physio, getting taped up again. Uh, one of my prerequisites to, I suppose, go back out and bat after we field is get my ankle tape ripped off, get some physio work, get some massage done to my calf, um, get my hammies done and make sure my tape gets redone. And by the time that my tape was sort of redone, we'd lost our second or third and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in soon. And I'm like throwing my yellows, pads and everything and, and then obviously Ingo gets out first ball and I'm basically running out to the middle. So I haven't had time to like do my run-throughs or mentally prepare to actually get out there and like it's... I suppose during a World Cup, like you get out there on a hat-trick ball and uh, probably a must-win game for what we knew. Who knows what uh, Bangladesh... And to be fair, Bangladesh bad pretty well against us. They got 300-odd. That's, that's a big score. <laughs> like In any World Cup game, we hadn't chased that before but... There's moments like that where you're like, if I can just get through this and not run out my partner, we we should be in great position here. Because <laughs> we blame Marnus at the time for that run out. Uh, it is his fault. Let's be honest. He was. Uh, if you watch the slow motion from behind, in front of square, and he he's slow to react. How bad was the throw? It bounced about eight times and rolled into the stumps, and he still didn't make it. It was. It's like the end of when you win solitaire. <laughs> 
The front you, ha- have you ever watched that whole thing out? Oh, yeah. it is just so peaceful. <laughs> oh, I used to love that. It was like, oh, when the last card comes, oh, it's so nice. I used to make my family sit there in the cinema and watch every bit of the credits before I would leave. What? Like, oh, yeah, just, in ca- just in case there's like the funny like outtakes. And no, stuff like. it was just a sense of completion. Why? I don't know. That's bad. Yeah, that's it's horrible. Spectrum. Um, <laughs> On the other so, side, yes, of, I've watched the solitaire thing. On yeah. the other side, it's my dad leaving. You know, 10 fifteen minutes, minutes early. Ten minutes leaving before the eighty-seven fucking prelim final and missing Buckingham after you, the Your dad's like twenty minutes before the end of the sixth sense. He's like, "Well, let's beat the traffic." He's obviously dead. What happened? Uh, Ninety-four qualifying final, the draw with North no, Melbourne. No, we were on the no. we were on the freeway on the way home. No, no. Uh, right. So 90, 91 for seven, you walk in. Hat trick ball and so on. Well, the drop on that. twenty-four with Majeep, mm. um, which is like really. I mean, seriously, you're not going to get... Tough catch. <laughs> I know he's the worst fielder you know in, I did? in, in I the world. I just chucked a bit of extra spin on it, like with my wrist, <laughs> which I can't actually do right now. Like, uh, but you like, start, like, I, it felt like, like at that point... He's trying to high-five the ball. He just does this. <laughs> As their energy drops, and it's clear it drops after the Majeeb drop, it's like you are able, to, your onboard computer, you're able to start doing that field manipulation thing that you do really well that... Most people can't do, but you, you, know, you kind of mid-offs up or third man's up and you kind of start working the field. Were you doing, at that juncture, were you thinking, we're going to run down 200 plus more runs here? Or were you like, we've got a plan. This is kind of how I play and we'll last for as long as it lasts and we'll just have the best time we can and make the best of the situation and not have our net run rate smashed to smithereens? Yeah, I didn't really think too much too far ahead. I, I think one of the things that I've probably been guilty of in the past is... It's probably thinking that way, the first way, like, oh, I've, I've got to make this my day or I've got to make sure that whatever happens, I'll win us this game. Where, to be fair, I, I really just stayed went, all right, this over, I'm going to try and concentrate on this and if I hit a couple of boundaries, great. And I'll, I'll try and face as much of the bowling because I, I sent back a message before, before Stark faced a ball. I said, is it okay if I face the rest of Rashid's overs? So I'll, I'll just make sure that I'm on strike. And they sent a message back, no, no, I trust your partners. And then I didn't review Starkey's next one. Probably sure. <laughs> to, be fair, to be fair to me, it was a brilliant noise at the other end. He was like, oh, I didn't hit it. And I was like, sound pretty good, mate. Off you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not going to be that great for the story if you're still here. So uh, off you go. Um, 200 with no one, no one, number eight, no one cares about. 200 with number nine. Phew. Could be awesome. Um, but... <laughs> but, yeah, like, with Paddy, it was like... I was like, I'm more than happy to take Rashid for the rest of it, but I'm just letting you know, I don't know which way it's going either. So I think we're both at risk. And he goes, oh, awesome. <laughs> Should be good. And, like, we, like, whenever we played Mist, we generally played Mist by at least a bat and a half. So it was perfect. Like... And we only really played Mr. Oleggy because it was like, ah, oh, has to be the wrong... <laughs> he'd, he'd pl- he played a missed at one from Noor Ahmed that I reckon he missed by maybe three and a half bat widths. <laughs> and I remember him lip-reading goes, well left, Pat. <laughs> uh, I was like, yep, yep, I'm with you there, brother. Nice, yeah, you're good. So, like, it's, the enjoyment, it seemed, even at the time, was, it was a big part of it working, like, that, that getting... There was no work. work. At no stage during the whole innings was it work. It was, it was fun. 
Mm. It was literally just fun the whole way through. Yeah. To but be then fair, your legs stopped working. They did less fun. Um, <laughs> broken and wishing that I wasn't playing cricket. Mm. Basically, oh, I wish I was on a beach. You get to about 125 and that's when your legs stop working. And we're like, okay, he can't run a single now. Um, he can't actually move very much. He's just standing still. And they <laughs> He's stand. useless. He's useless to everyone, yeah. including the bloke at the other end. 100 runs or so. How's this going to play out? And I've got to say, I've got to be honest at this point, I didn't think it would pan out with an Australian win. That's not where I saw things going at that point. <laughs> to, be thought, to be fair, I, I thought, geez, Samson's going to have to bat pretty well here. Because <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure Hoff hasn't got 10 in him. Like, <laughs> they yes. bring the quicks back on. He's got a great late cut. If they don't have three third men, mm. idiots. Yeah. Yeah, usually it's straight to backward point. That yep, late not cut. a problem. Occasionally cover drives. Uh, look, I, I remember when it went down and I was like, uh, trouble. Um, and like the umpire came over to me. He was sort of trying to calm me down and I sort of started to panic a bit because I didn't know which leg was hurting more. And I genuinely, when I hit the ground, I was like, I'm done. I, I, I don't think I can physically play this stupid shit game anymore. <laughs> and I don't want to. I, I got no interest in it. Well done, Afghanistan. You have the win. I don't care. <laughs> like, in, my, in my mind, I'm thinking all these, all these things going, nah, had enough. Good luck, Pat. Cheers. Had enough. <laughs> like, pff, I'm sure he can pump a couple. He pumped a couple against the Kiwis. He can do it here. Not a, we get pretty flat. They're not spinning it. Uh, I'd literally just given up. I'd just given up. And then when he said, what if we stand you up? And I was like... And I just, I just remember like feeling like the Tin Man, like just like legs like this, just going... And like his stomach, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not bad. Like, I'm like, I think I remember batting like this once. And I'm like, all right, leave it with me. I'll, I'll come back to you in five overs. And I let's, let's stop running, stop running, stay at that end. And then as soon as you sort of get confidence, we'll talk about like maybe changing ends at some stage. And there was one time where I, I swapped ends and Paddy's like sitting on his bat, like almost st stand next to the umpire, like almost having a chat to him. I'm like, Paddy, come on. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. And like my head is like down, like I'm like shuffling through. I'm just like, nah, nah, I'm coming down that end. Like last, last ball of the over, I've got to hog the strike. I want this bloke. I want the next one. Yeah, let's go. Some of your teammates have said you can do that in the nets, but how much of that is practice against just like your eye and your rubbery wrists and it, I think your golf game as well. Like how, do, how do you find a combination of all those things that can enable you to stand up still and not move your feet whatsoever and clout balls a foot outside the off stump over mid-wicket for six? Yeah, I was pretty lucky. I think I did a lot of that sort of drill in training quite a bit during the BBL, I think for the first five or six years of the, of the BBL. I remember that being a big part of my preparation, leading into games, doing no-feet drills. And, and literally my, my whole role in the first 10 balls I faced in the nets was stand dead still and practice your bat swing as if you can't move your feet and work on, I suppose, your body moving through the ball and not your feet. And, and, when, it, and when it's done, when the deed is done, when you've won the game and you, you eventually go back up the stairs and, and all the rest of it, and how long did it take you to soak in the extent to which Australia had just plugged into this moment. I know it's the overnight thing, so some people woke up to it. The, op the Optus outage, I think, played a role in all of this. People flicking on the TV or putting on the radio, but putting that to one side. People being thoroughly plugged into what you had achieved and trying to process that you were like the national hero and kind of still are, right? Like that, that innings will live on 
in in the consciousness for a long time. But you know, did did that happen immediately for you? Maybe when you got back home to Australia after the World Cup final? What? what? No, it took a fairly long time, I think, because I, I think after after all happened, all, all I was thinking about was obviously making sure Vinny and and Logan were okay when I go back to the room and. Didn't really get much of a reception back then. It was just like, hey, "Is yours now?" I'm you know, it has some time to myself, and I'm like, "Radio, no worries." Uh, well played, Glenn. Yeah, well done. Uh, well, that's what's going. On. None of that. How'd you go? Jeez. Did you win? Yeah. <laughs> any, that's what any I normally luck? get. <laughs> any luck? I'm lucky to even get bad, that. <laughs> no, she thought bad luck on the result because when she left, it was like four for fifty, and she was like <laughs> left, and she was she was filthy. That like Logan lost his shit, like lost it. She was, and she was angry at him. She's like. I felt bad for being angry because he didn't know any better. Like, but I felt bad because I've literally just missed that. I was like, no, nah, that's okay. Like, the next week after that, I, I think I knew that I wasn't going to be right for the Bangladesh game. Like, and to be fair, I'm still probably not. I think my body's <laughs> sort of gone to sh- shutdown mode since that. Mm. Um, adrenaline sort of got me through the last couple of games of the, the World Cup and the excitement of what to, was to come and I was trying to get myself up but. Since since that final, I, I've my body sort of just went no nah, no nah, that's we've we've done what we've needed to do and it's been bloody hard work to get up for any game of cricket. Um, those games in India afterwards, the T twenties were were hard work and um, just still made a hundred or forty balls in one of them. <laughs> Forty-seven. Um, <laughs> one of us again. Um, <clears throat> You guys get over the line in the semi-final when they've got, you know, I know you miss out and all the rest and it comes down to the bowlers to do the job with the bat, but do you think that in moments like that there is just some wider belief that guys in the Australian dressing room have about, we'll fucking find a way here, that still sits on the shoulders of South African players who, you know, stroke for stroke are as good as you, but they've got this baggage that they, they can't get rid of yet? They're unbelievable, the South African side. I, I feel like pound for pound... They're, they're a very similar side to us. Yeah. They've got the same ability, same skill, same, I suppose, belief in their system that, that they're doing the right thing. Quinn de Kock is an absolute superstar. 400 during that World Cup. He, he is unbelievable. Their pace by attack is, is rivaling ours every day of the week. And their spin by attack is probably better. Yes, we've got Zamps. We've only got me as, their, as our support. They've got Shamsi and Keshav Maharaj, who are both absolute superstars. Yeah. Both are able to tie down batters. But what we have is, I suppose, history on our side that we just historically get it done. And I think that was... You could see that in their mind. You could, they actually started to talk a bit more out there, even when they were just slightly behind the game. They started to talk a little bit more at us, and it was like, oh, they feel the pressure a little bit. It's like... We didn't go at them at all. Like, we didn't even bother. It was like, you know what, we're just going to turn up, get our job done. And they started going at us. And it was like, you're, you're a long way behind the game here. You, you just need to like, worry about you know, like the cricket part. <laughs> and it was like, which notoriously you haven't been very good at in these stages. Like, and it, we saw it in the T20 World Cup as well. We were worried about on a flat wicket in Abu Dhabi. My God, it was flat. And they're, all their batters were nervous. And it was like, what are they nervous about? Just get on the front foot and pump it. <laughs> it's T20 cricket, for God's sake. Just whack it. That's actually going to be the title of the book. Uh, yeah. Just get on the front foot and pump it. The Glenn Maxwell story. Consider <laughs> that. Well, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. back away and leave it. 
<laughs> the, the, the final itself, the row it moment, the Travis head catch, which kind of comes full circle in a way. You know, you guys are two of the more, clearly the two approachable guys in the team, Travis as well, where he plays that role with you in making that big incision. Because you fucked at 80 for none. You know, not even in the, I think it's 10 overs gone, not even that. And you're thinking, well, Pat's made a decision, a bold decision, a calculated decision, but one that has the, uh, all the early signs of backfiring, right? If not for that moment with Rowett, maybe it does backfire, we'll never know. And that belief that clearly built within that, that group of guys on the ground from then, 23 bowling changes later, you're chasing 240. Was it 23, was 23. it? 23, incredible. Fuck. Incredible. Unbelievable. Hey, I'll tell you what, it was, it was quite funny. So generally in the first 10 overs, I'll be used as a barometer of how much it's holding up or spinning. Um, and I'll bowl six balls. I'll try three different deliveries that will hopefully give us a gauge on what the wicket's doing. And I'll pass that information on to Pat and Zamps and go... Spinning massive cross seam, spinning big seam up, skidding or whatever it might be. I turned to Pat after three balls and went, fuck. <laughs> he goes, what? I went, not spin, not quick, dead. slow and dead. Not spinning. And he went, have you got two for us in the power play? I went, oh, no. I was like, maybe try someone else. He goes, no, nah, no, nah, give us one more. And when I went four, six to start that, I was like, this is, this is the end of my day. This is great. Might have to come back on when we're five for three and I'll have to find a way to do something else and like mine just like boggles and sort of goes on a wander and then Rohit sort of walks down and one thing about Rohit is got a really early tell about when he's charging and when he hit me for six I, I got that tell and I dragged it shorter, bowled it like harder into the wicket and I went got him, beautiful and he hit it off a length and it went about 30 rows back and I went <laughs> if I'm the second spinner we're going to need a third spinner. <laughs> and so sure, sure enough, I think it was the next ball, I was like, just try and bowl a little bit faster and just hopefully he hits a single and maybe we can get Virat on strike and I can just maybe he can hit a couple... I'll just talk to him a little bit and we'll like, I'll talk him into a few dots or whatever it might be. <laughs> sure enough, the next one he ran out, it did nothing off the pitch, like didn't bounce extra, didn't like skid on, didn't do anything and he just tried to hit it so far because he realised... Maxwell's bowling, I need to hit this for every ball for six. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Swung across the line and, and the catch that Hedy took, oh, the fact that he's put in all that hard work behind the scenes, back at South Australia, as captain, as leader over the last eight or nine, about eight years, I reckon, he's been captain of that side. He's had to go away and work and make sure he's leading the pack in everything he's doing. And it's a credit to him that he's put that work in and when you come to the Australian side, you're expected to take those chances. And when you get a chance in a World Cup final, you've got to make the most of it. And he certainly made the most of it. I might just ask one last question from us and we'll take a couple from the floor. I'm mindful it's getting on a little bit here, but I don't think anyone here nah, minds. That's all right. Uh, what else do you want to be? Yeah, quite. Throwing forward a little bit here, you've been asked quite a bit about, you spoke about Test Cricket earlier, about the future and... I think I, like a lot of people in this room, might have thought your international career might be getting towards the end because you're the broken leg and getting up for this World Cup and, and that kind of thing. But now Sri Lanka 2025 feels like it's not only just like on the horizon a wee bit, but it feels like you kind of know that if you keep playing good cricket, 
if you can manufacture some Red Bull opportunities in England perhaps or whatever it is, that you should be in the thinking of the selectors when they go to Sri Lanka in early 2025 and your international career might continue to that point or, or indeed even further. I mean, your, your thoughts on that at this stage? Yeah, I think I've just come to a stage in my career where I've worked out a, a method and a, a preparation into each tournament that feels consistent and relaxed. Um, and I've got the group that's backing that at the moment where I... I haven't always really had that. Uh, you, you spoke about earlier about train smarter and all that sort of stuff. There was always that sort of noise around what I was doing around my preparation, what I was doing um, in around uh, my preparation for di different series. And I feel like now it's just about, do you, do you feel like you're ready for this series? Yep, 100%. We'll, we'll have your backing as long as you go out there and... And, and showcase that. And I feel you like, feel like they that, trust you now. I feel like I've got that trust. And it, it comes with comes with time. It comes with, I suppose, rewarding that faith at different times. And you look back at the COVID series that we had against England. Was it 2021? September 2020. The big run chase. Yeah. The 50 it it, it comes, yep. with, comes with stuff like that. So the, the only reason I was picked to bat in that position was if we're stuffed, if we're in a position where we probably can't win... There's one person in Australia that might be able to win us that game. And that's the reason I was picked in that position. But there's the other side of it was if we're in a really good position, there's one guy that can get us to a position where hopefully we get a position where we can't lose the game. So it was, it, it was a win-win position for me where I was able to build the confidence in that position and also go away and go, all right, I'm going to do exactly what I need to do to get ready for that position as much as I possibly can. And I had the backing of the team. They, they went, whatever happens, we, we back the fact that he's going to put us in a better position regardless of what happens. And I suppose you, you evolve as the last couple of years go on. How good's this? Uh, I'm going to take three questions from the floor. I can't be held accountable for whose hand I pick first. We might get a radio mic out if we can be bothered. Um, I might go straight to the front. Uh, so this is a bit of a selfish question from me. About ten years ago, you bought a TV from me at my high point on Boxing Day. <laughs> <laughs> is the TV still working? And uh, do you need another one? Perfect. Perfect. High point. High point. Nah, broke. Uh, nah, I. I'm pretty sure I've still got it, actually. It's, it's, uh, my wife didn't like it, so we ended up putting it upstairs. So I still use it. She doesn't. But thank you very much. You're a wonderful host. It's the upstairs telly. Uh, okay, next. Must I'm be nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hands up. You are the big show, but do you enjoy being called the big show? And if not, what no. would you like to be called? Five backseat. I, I think just Max here. I think, I, I think with this crew, I th no, 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 no. I, I think with this crew, I think, especially with the friendship that I've been able to develop with these two people over the last period of time, I think, hopefully, has given you a glimpse into it, what I'm like as a person and what I'm like behind the scenes. And um, it's it's far fetched from a nickname that got produced from my first series playing for Australia in 2012. Um, I'd like to think I'm pretty down to earth. I'd like to think I'm pretty approachable. I'd like to think I'm, I'm someone that you guys would like to have a beer with and, and 
enjoy some time talking to a couple of sports about your local sporting clubs and I, I feel like I'm certainly that guy and I, I hope that some of the stories might come across like that but um, I'm hoping I'm a, I'm a good reflection on my parents who are obviously here today and um, they've been my number one supporters for a long period of time and I'm, I'm so glad I'm, I'm here because of them. What an absolutely perfect note to leave it on. Uh, the final words, standard bearer, we love you, Glenn Maxwell. Well, 52 balls at his before we, start of this semi Before we uh, completely wind down the night. Yeah. Um, so Maxie's going to stick around and sign some shirts out the back, which is lovely. So if you haven't got your Maxwell for Australia shirt, no better time now. Go to Jono. Uh, Tombs over the back there selling prints for Christmas for Fisher Classics. He does a great job. Uh, thank you to everybody who's been here tonight. It's a long show. We know it's a long show. You know what you sign up to with Jeff and me. Um, to the bar staff here at the corner. Uh, to Tom Downey who's organised the show. Uh, uh, to the team here at the Huge corner hotel. Applause to Tom who put this on. Wouldn't yeah. happen without him. Our next one of these is in Sydney on the 7th of January. If you've got mates or cricket loving uh, family members in Sydney who may not know who Jeff and I are, please send them along. Um, and to everybody who's been supportive of Jeff and me across now, a, you know, like I said at the start, a 10-year journey. We've been in each other's lives, most of that making the podcast the better part of 900 episodes of The Final Word. Neither um, of us have killed the other one yet. Yes. It is, it is truly wouldn't, a medical marvel. Wouldn't be worthwhile, wouldn't be, wouldn't be possible without everybody doing what you're doing behind the scenes. So many of you supporting us on Patreon. So um, thank you. Uh, good night. Stick around, have a beer, do what you want. Good night. You're all extremely tolerant. Thank you so much. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell.